Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Greetings. This is the first episode of 2024. This year, I decided to take a very specific approach to all the topics in this divorce podcast. And my approach is going to be basically based on the four ingredients to my recipe for a heart-healthy divorce. I'm going to focus on communication a lot. That's one of the four ingredients. Learn communication skills for conflict because because you're going to need them. And it could even be a low-grade conflict that continues to fester and escalate. But I want to show you how you can control not only the trajectory and the course of your divorce through communication skills, but you can actually use what I'm teaching you in any other relationship issue that you will have in any other area of your life. Communication is the centerpiece to how discourse, to how conflict, to how any disagreement in a relationship can be resolved. So here's what I want to do in this particular episode. The title is, In Threatening Conversations, Ask Why. This is a strategy that will work for the rest of your life. We're going to focus on divorce. So in threatening situations and threatening communication and threatening conversations, ask why and what can be more threatening than the conversations you have in divorce. So in the world of divorce, what you say and how you say it, that tone of voice either helps or hinders how you and your spouse get through the process. There are three easy steps to dealing with threatening communication. And then I'm going to go through how all of this works. But here are the three easy steps. A, let your spouse talk. I don't care how crazy the shit they're spewing sounds. Just let them talk. They could be saying spousal support is off the table. It's a non-starter. They could be saying I'm going to take the kids away. I mean, that's like a horrible thing, right? They can be talking about taking the kids away. I want full custody. They can be saying, you never contributed to the house, so you're not getting any portion of it. Let them say what they want to say. And just listen. Listen uninterruptedly. Do not make faces. Do not roll your eyeballs. Do not show in your body movement that you're just placating them. Listen to learn. That is step number one. Listen. Don't interrupt. Don't communicate through your body language. Listen to learn. Because when we're listening, we're listening in a way that is uh, building our defense up. 
We're listening. And while we're listening, if we're attempting to listen, uh, we're listening with our defensive ears up and we're starting to strategize how we're going to respond. Uh-uh. Don't res- no, no strategy for responding right now. You listen to learn. That's step number one. Listen to learn. Step number two, when your spouse is completely done talking, and you'll know. Let them pause. Don't say, oh my God, I thought you were done. No, 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 you'll know when they're done. When they're done, they will, like seconds will go by. They won't even look like they're processing anymore. And maybe they will say to you, are you listening? Are you, I I don't understand, you're not talking. No, I'm not talking because you're talking. I'm listening. I'm listening to learn. I want to learn about your thinking and how you feel about whatever it is you're talking about. When they are completely done, here's step number two. Ask why. So you've listened. You've listened to what their reasons are, or you've at least listened to them spewing how they're going to hurt you, spewing how they're going to manipulate and control the process. I'm going to hire attorneys. I'm going to leave you with nothing. How dare you divorce me? You're going to hear all kinds of horrible things in step number one. But you are listening to learn. Oh, Judy, what are you talking about? We've been married so long. I know what they think. I know. No, you don't. No, you don't know what they think. Why? Because you've always interrupted them probably. You've never let them just talk. You've never honored their feelings. Even though their feelings may be crazy and out in left field, it doesn't really matter. You are to listen, to learn. And then step number two, when they're completely done, when they have nothing left to say, you're not going to say what normally people say. Are you done yet? That is so condescending. Please don't do that. You will never benefit if you do anything condescending. And I don't care how much you hate this person. I don't care how much this person has hurt you. It's time for you to gain the upper hand. And the upper hand means in control of yourself. The upper hand does not mean manipulating them. Believe me, with my three-prong process, it'll all work out. You are listening to learn, step number one, can't repeat it enough. And then step number two, when they're completely done talking, okay, well, I'm done. Thank you for listening. I'm done. What would you like to say now? Do not say what you think. Do not say how you feel. Simply ask why. Okay, I've listened to everything you've said. I need to know why. And then go through the points that they made. Hopefully, when you've listened, you've cataloged the points. And if you didn't catalog the points, ask them to repeat themselves. Just say, I really want to understand why you are taking the position that you're taking. And I just need to know why. So could you please share with me your thinking? Why do you have this opinion? Why do you want to do this? Why do you kind of want to hurt me? Why? And then listen again. Let them explain why. Well, I've already said why. 
No, you really haven't. You've said you want to hurt me. You said you want to take the kids away. You said you don't want to divide the house. You said that you don't want to pay alimony or spousal support. I've listened to what you say, but I want to know what's underneath that. What's motivating you to say that? Well, I'm mad at you. I mean, I'm mad at you. How dare you want to divorce me and not want to go to therapy? How dare you want to? And then they'll go on and on and talk. Let them talk. Do not disagree. Do not challenge them. Do not put them on the offensive. They're already on the offensive. I'm sorry. Do not put them on the defensive. They're already on the offensive. You want to calm it down. You want them to get clear-headed. One of the issues in listening without interrupting and listening to learn is that nobody does this. Nobody allows somebody else to completely vent, unless it's a friend who really has no skin in the game and, and, and understands that they need to let you vent their friend. But when you're in conflict with somebody, when you're getting a divorce, when you and your spouse will no longer be together, and I'm going to talk in a few minutes about that bond that's broken and how it affects communication and behavior. You really want to know what's underneath all of that. And nobody asks the other person how to get underneath all of that. Nobody allows anybody the freedom, the space, the ability to process their emotions. Do that. Let that happen. You will be surprised at how it works out. And then number three, when they've explained why, address their issues, address their reasons. Do not come in with how you think. This is not the time to share how you think. Strangely enough that I'm saying this, but when you're in conflict communication with somebody and they're spewing venom at you, this is not the right time to use logic. Logic meaning, well, okay, this is how you feel. I'd like to share how I feel. Uh-uh, it is not the place to do that. And why is that? Because your whole mission, your job, your responsibility is to talk to them in a way that allows them to calm down self-reflect on what they've just said and possibly change. People will change when they think they're making the decisions to change. People aren't going to really change because you're using logic, because you're explaining what you need. No, no one's going to change because of that. If somebody's spewing venom, if somebody's acting crazy, if somebody's, you know, telling you that they know the law and this is how they're going to control the situation, I mean, that is so illogical, it's not even funny. So you're not going to logic this out. Your only ability is going to be 
to establish a communication that allows them to calm down, to self-reflect, and maybe, maybe not even in this conversation, but maybe once you go away, let them possibly take a different position that's a little kinder, a little less hurtful, a little more balanced. Address their reasons why. Address their concerns. Address their fear. That's what your job is in conflict communication. And then to wrap it up, your conclusion will be, listen, I don't want to get this out of control. I don't want this to get crazy. I don't want either of us to be hurt. But we're going to be engaging professionals, and I'm just willing to let the professionals take over. So I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. And thank you for sharing this with me. That's your conclusion. Thank you for sharing this with me. Um, I'll take everything that you said under advisement. And um, I'm going to just wait for when we involve professionals, whether it's a therapist, a mediator, an attorney, a document preparation company, a paralegal, it doesn't matter. You're just going to let other people come in and help because it's when you involve professionals that things start straightening out. You know, if somebody says, I'm going to take you for everything, obviously your legal professionals are going to say, well, that's not possible in this state. So don't even worry about it. Your therapist is going to try and help you develop more better communication skills. And your mediator is there to look for where the compromise points are. So just wait. Just wait. This is not a battle you want to win. When you're in conflict communication, it's not a battle you're going to win. It's an opportunity for you to learn better communication skills, conflict communication skills. And you have the opportunity of dealing with your spouse in a way that you maybe haven't done in the past and you want your spouse to calm down at least so that you can have a better communi- a better conversation. Okay, so let me go to my notes. I made a lot of notes here. So now you know the three-prong process. Let them talk while you listen uninterrupted and you listen to learn. Step number one. Step number two, when they're completely done, ask why. So go through their points that they made and ask them why. What's underneath this? What is your thinking on this? How do you uh, feel that this will be beneficial, you know, uh, to the kids, to the result of the divorce? And number three, address their reasons why. Address their concerns. I guess address their concerns is a better way to say it. And then in conclusion, you'll say, well, thank you very much for sharing. Now I understand better where you're coming from. And um, I know I'm not going to change your mind. That's fine. See, giving that out, I know I'm not going to change your mind and that's fine. I I will, you know, you have a right to your opinion. I'm going to wait till legal professionals get involved. Okay, so that's your that's your three and a half prong process. Now let's go back to communication. So here are my notes. Communication can go from bad to worse when a divorce is requested because the element of trust has changed in that relationship. And I don't mean trust based on infidelity. That's where everybody goes. Mm-mm. 
It's just an, an interesting aspect of this bond of trust. There is an unbroken, there, excuse me, there is an unspoken bond of trust that holds a relationship together during the marriage, no matter how bad the relationship is. It's this bond of trust. When the marriage has run its course and no one has done anything to break up the marriage, that unspoken, unseen, undefinable bond of trust that holds the marriage together, even in its worst times, is gone if the marriage is ending. And maybe it's not trust. That's what I call it. Maybe it's just the emotional connection is gone. And therefore, both spouses are no longer connected and in that, that space of disconnectedness exists a new form of communication fraught with discomfort, unease, and fear. Communication can be fearful, threatening, and foreign when speaking with a spouse who is about to have who is about to have the adjective former in front of that word spouse. Therefore, words have to be carefully chosen, along with using a softer tone of voice that is calming. I cannot tell you how important tone of voice is. I mean, listen to my tone of voice. Don't you feel calmer just listening to me talk? That's how I want you to be with your spouse. I want you to learn how to lower your voice not be condescending or judgmental or arrogant. No one's taking the high road here. That road doesn't exist. Calm your voice down. It will be so critical to a positive outcome. The more we can control our tone of voice and learn how to use words that don't exacerbate the fear, anger, hurt, and control the other spouse Hurt and control the other spouse may be feeling. We can learn communication that mitigates conflict. We can all learn this. Most divorces, by the way, do not end up in court, meaning that most couples have the potential of communicating effectively enough to enable them to discuss their settlement terms either with or without the help of a mediator. Hiring attorneys for full, for full representation indicates the lack of communication ability. Attorneys are there to communicate for both spouses. That's what attorneys are there for, or really to unravel very, very complicated situations. But most people's divorces aren't that complicated. It's the anger and the emotion that complicates things. But making the settlement decisions, you know, most people just live very simply. You have, you have a home, you have a 401k, you have some investments, you have credit cards, you have cars. You don't have foreign bank accounts. You don't have hidden assets. Most people know what's going on in their relationships financially. So most people's divorces aren't that complicated. I always say hire attorneys to learn the law. Always, always, always. You will never hear me say uh, to eliminate attorneys from the educational process of the divorce. You know, listen to what your spouse says. 
Listen to all the things they're going to do to hurt you. That's just fear talking. But bring those into an attorney. Learn the law so that you understand when your spouse is spewing venom at you, you know what's possible and what's not. So you can actually control your own fear level that way. Going to court for a judge to make decisions for you means that even the attorneys couldn't affect settlement decisions for you and your spouse. So those are the divorces that go to court. When even the attorneys that you hire cannot get you both to decide on things. So then a judge has to be brought in and it actually becomes fairly simple. Let it be simple. Don't fight that process. It's there to help you. So then I wanted to look at some hot button topics that are driven by fear and what can be said to move the conversation out of fear mode. So you've done everything that I've said initially. You've listened to learn uninterrupted and you just let your spouse talk. Then you ask why they feel the way they do. And you then lastly address their reasons why they feel the way they do. So let's take spousal support. This is a phrase, I think in the spouse playbook, every spouse has this phrase, spousal support is off the table. Alimony's off the table. You must be crazy if you think I'm going to do that. Non-starter. Okay, well, maybe in your book, it's a non-starter, but in the law, it's a starter. So when I hear people talk about this, either in the initial filing meeting, because you have to check some boxes on spousal support in California, or in a mediation, I'm sorry, Judy, spousal support is off the table. And I said, okay, I hear you. It's off the table for you. And then I look at their spouse. How do you feel about it? Well, it's not off the table with me. I said, okay. So at the appropriate time, we'll have that discussion. But I said it was off the table. I said, I know you did. We're going to find out why it's off the table for you. But in the law, it's not off the table. So if one of you wants it on the table and one of you wants it off the table, you can push away from the table. But the table with spousal support on it still stands. And I really believe you need some legal advice so that you can move forward if you don't want to end up in court. But then I start asking them, educate me, tell me why. But before you get to me, this is how you have to handle it. So you're in the house, the same house that you're occupying, and you're having the divorce settlement talk. I'm sorry, spousal support is just off the table. Well, here's what you're going to say. Okay, I hear you. I understand. For you, it is off the table. And I will acknowledge that in this conversation. Um, could you please tell me why spousal support is off the table? And here's something that might be said depending on how old you are. I'm going to retire in a few years. And I don't know. I can't pay spousal support. What I'm making now is not what I'm making then. See, that's where legal education comes in. And then you can say, ah, you know what? I think we both need some legal education. Let, let's talk to an attorney about that. Let's just see what options we have in terms of spousal support. I understand you're afraid of uh, what's going to happen in retirement. I absolutely understand that. Well, maybe there's something we can do about that. Let's address that. 
See, now you've come over to their side. Now it's no longer a tug of war. You've put the rope down. You're not tugging and warring. You're actually saying, okay, well, let's explore that fear then. Let's see what we can do to help you and help me. Who's going to argue with that? And if they do, just let it go. Because once you get legal professionals involved, everybody knows it's not off the table. Even the spouse who says it's off the table is only saying it to you. If they say it to an attorney, the attorney will look at them like they have two heads. Well, maybe for you it's off the table, but not for this divorce. If your spouse, if your other spouse wants support, we're going to talk about it. But tell me where your fear is. Tell me how I can help you. That's what your attorney is going to say. Child custody. Okay, how can anything be more fearful than money and child custody? If you divorce me, I'm going to take the kids. Okay, well, I don't know if there's any state in the union that says one spouse is allowed to take full custody and never let the other spouse see the kids. If there's not a huge problem going on, if we don't have drug addiction, if we don't have pedophilia, if we don't have... Um, unbridled anger where uh, one parent hurts the other uh, child, you know, like uh, a high end level of corporal punishment. There is no state in this country that wants a child to be separated from their uh, uh, one parent. There is no state. Now, we've all heard about parental alienation, and this is a big deal. You must educate yourself about parental alienation. And there's a lot of movements going on that are addressing parental alienation from parents who have experienced it. Parental alienation only exists when you either have some level of mental illness in the other spouse, an inability to accept reality, um, a blamer on your hands, you know, it's all your fault, therefore you don't get to see the kids. Yeah, this is serious, serious stuff. And you need to educate yourself. And it it exists more than you know. But in these initial conversations where you, before you get legal professionals involved, maybe ask your parent, um, excuse me, maybe ask the spouse saying, I'm going to take full custody. Well, that's an interesting position. I'm listening to you. Now, why would you want our children not to see me? How do you think that's going to be beneficial to them? I'm actually genuinely interested. If you can keep this even-tempered sound in your voice, if you can stop yourself from getting aggressive, you think so, you think that's going to happen, please don't do that. That gets you nowhere. It literally gets you nowhere. If you can just get them talking and explaining how they feel, I just want to hurt you. There's nothing else I want to do but hurt you. And if uh, keeping the kids from you hurts you, then that's what I want to do. All right. Well, I understand. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, that can end the conversation right there. I hear you. Where are they going to go with this? What do you mean you hear me? Does that mean that it's okay with you? You're just going to give in? 
No, it just means I hear you. I'm interested in how you feel and what you have to say. Um, I'm very interested in our children having a good life, whatever that means. But for right now, until we get legal professionals involved, I, I just want to listen to you. That's all I want to do is listen to you. I mean, honestly, you don't have an argument on your hands when you take a position like that. No judge is going to eliminate you from your children's lives. No judge is going to give one parent uh, all of the time with the children and you're not allowed to have any of it. Like even in the most hardcore situations, if there's drug addiction involved, there'll be what we what we call supervised visitation. I mean, it can get to that point of visitation, but with another person around so that the person with drug issues um, doesn't abduct the kids, doesn't take drugs or drink in front of them. I mean, there is that level of control, but this is not an argument you're going to win, so don't even attempt to have it. There's no winning here. You do need to get legal professionals involved. And then the other hot button item is the house. Well, you know what? If you think you're going to get this house, if you think you're going to stay here, if you think I'm going to give you any money that you, that might be owing you, it's not going to happen. You didn't contribute to the house. You're not getting any money. Okay, well, you know what? Have you seen an attorney yet? Do you understand the law? Apparently not. You're not going to say that to them. <laughs> this is what's going on. Either they think you're not going to get any legal education or they haven't gotten any legal education or if they're an extreme narcissist and they know everything, they don't. There's the legal system. Don't take a million meetings to work this out. The law is the law is the law in your state. Simply learn the law. And again, with the house, just say, well, let's work this out in the best way we can. Um, I'm thinking about things. I don't care what you're doing. I'm already telling you what's going to happen. I hear you. I hear you. I will get legal education. I need to do that. Maybe you have all the education you need and maybe what you're telling me is completely the law, but I don't know that. Now, let's just say you have gotten legal education and your spouse is telling you, no, you're not going to get a cent, blah, blah, blah. Don't argue it. Wait till you get legal professionals involved. I know in California, I don't know about every other state, but in California, if there is an issue like the house, and it's the only issue, you can actually request a hearing just to have the judge make a ruling on the house. So you can just end that shit now. Don't let that go on. You know, the house is an enormous asset and you need to know what's going on with that asset as you progress through the divorce process, especially if there's a ton of equity in the house. You really need to know what the options are in dividing that equity and how it's divided. And if you have to schedule a hearing just for that, you don't have to go full-blown attorney. So this is where people go wrong. Do the hearing. 
What people think is, well, okay, if there's one part of this that we're not deciding on, I guess we have to lawyer up. No, you don't. You don't have to spend your life savings because you disagree about one thing. You really don't. Minimize, 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 categorize, you know, pull things apart. If you agree on the kids and if you agree on child support, if you agree on dividing or not dividing investments and, you know, um, outstanding debt, if you agree on everything but one thing, schedule a hearing for that one thing. That's all you have to do. Schedule a hearing for that one thing. I, I I was explaining that to somebody the other day and they're like, oh my God, are you serious? Yes, it's that simple. It's honestly that simple. Do not let an attorney inflate this. I don't care what state you're in that you're listening to this or what country you're in. If there's only one issue that you and your spouse cannot come to terms with, you do not have to make this a full-blown lawyer-up situation. Just throw it open to a judge. And then they'll make the decision on that and then you'll move on. I love oversimplifying things, by the way, because you need to sometimes. How about just the idea, this is the fourth example, just filing, just getting the divorce makes them angry. And out of that anger, you know, everything blows up. So. When the actual issue of filing and getting a divorce is the single issue that blows your spouse up, don't file angry. Remember in Groundhog Day with Bill Murray 8,000 years ago, don't drive angry. Don't file angry. Discuss. Heal. Self-reflect. The decision to file is the first step. But the timing, the first step to getting divorced, but the timing of when to file has to be done with consideration. So if you have been an avid listener of this podcast, you will have heard me talk about there are two divorces. There's the emotional divorce and there's the legal divorce. The emotional divorce takes place first. It's all of the self-reflection. It's the grieving that has to happen in the transition out of the marriage, especially if you have children. And in a long-term marriage, you have to grieve the marriage first. It's the death of a relationship. Maybe that relationship needs to die. That's fine. Our bodies need to die. But you don't want to file while you're grieving if you can help it. It'll make the decision-making process very, very difficult. Take some time to grieve. I don't know what that time is. I say up to a year if you can afford it. At least a month or two if you can't. But what you really need is, each of you, you need time to breathe, calm down, realize that your life is going to go on even as a divorced person. If you are financially compromised in the short run, a lot of people are. Don't worry about it. You'll get through it. can always make more money. You can always get by financially. You know, just be creative about it. But what you really need to do is process the fact that there's a major change in your life, divorce, 
you're going to be going from married to single. Possibly you're not in another relationship. It's okay. A lot of people's fear is in being alone. Nothing bad happens because you're alone. Literally nothing bad happens. I mean, we're in an overpopulated world. You will find other people. Get pets. Volunteer at a shelter. Give yourself over to people. Get out of your own feelings. Get out of your own way by volunteering to help other people. Let me tell you something. I had a very dear friend years ago. I haven't talked to her in quite a while. But she lost her two-year-old son. He died. Well, how horrible is that? Like, this is one of the most tragic things that could ever happen to a parent, isn't it? That they would lose their child. And a two-year-old, my God. What this woman did, she started volunteering. She started volunteering in youth organizations and with animals. And that's how she dealt with her grief. And so for you, if you're uh, grieving over divorce and you're afraid of being alone, please don't go on a dating site immediately. Please don't do that. You'll make all the wrong decisions about who to be with because you need to process why it didn't work out in this relationship. You need to process, is there a personality type that I'm going after? Did I marry one of my parents? And I, even though I saw my parents did not have a good marriage, did that muscle memory kick in? And because this is what I know, I married one of my parents. You really need to process this big change in your life. And you process by going to a therapist. Go to a therapist who will really help you understand the family tree. This is my biggest suggestion to you. You need to know where you learned about relationships. You learned about relationships and how you grew up. Now, did your parents have a good relationship or not so good? Because even though you said, I'm never going to repeat that, I'm never going to do what my parents did, we do. We unconsciously do what our parents did. Or maybe this person checked all the right boxes on paper and we tried to force ourselves to feel for them. We tried to force ourselves to be in love with them. But it doesn't work. You can't force yourself to be in love with somebody. And it's really interesting. I can't tell you. It's The number of people, mostly women, after a mediation that didn't really resolve itself, kind of did, but not really, it's always the woman that will hang out and stay behind while the, the husband leaves first. And if I let them talk long enough, if I listen without interrupting, they will always get to the point where they say, I knew I shouldn't have married them. I cannot tell you. The number of people who say, I knew I shouldn't have married them. And they did anyway. And it didn't work out because it never does. When you do something you shouldn't do, it simply doesn't work out. So stop blaming them. Make the best deal you can make and get the pluck out of Dodge. Get out of this relationship ASAP. And live a happier life. But volunteer, 
get through this emotional thing. And then when you're like on a different emotional plane, then you can start filing. And if your spouse wants to file while he hasn't, he or she hasn't healed, you can, you can um, control the process. You don't have to go from one step to the next. You can tell your attorney, you can tell your spouse, you can tell your mediator, you know, I need to take a breath here. I want to go through a little therapy. I need to grieve a little bit and then I'll jump back in the process. Don't let your spouse not understand why you're not emailing back, texting back, calling back, doing the next thing. You have to communicate that you're grieving because that's what you're doing. You're grieving. And just say, listen, I just need like a month or two. I just need to process. I just need to be quiet and I will be back. I really will be. I just need to breathe and self-reflect and everybody will understand what you're saying. Okay, now in mediation, you also have the opportunity to ask why. It doesn't matter what your spouse says, but instead of going into defense mode in mediation and yelling or threatening back, Go into why mode. Just ask why. Why do you feel this way? Why don't you want to discuss spousal support? Why do you want 100% custody? Why don't you want to give me an equity share in the house? Just say, ask them to explain why. Don't do it with rolling eyeballs. Don't do it with a sarcastic tone in your voice. Do it. Listen to my tone, repeat my tone, and that in and of itself will lower the temperature on the argument. I guarantee you that the reason for your spouse taking a stand on any of these issues that I've just talked about is hurt, fear, being in that disconnected zone we mentioned earlier or anger over the fact that you want a divorce. You've taken control away from them and they feel out of control. That's why. So once you can get to all of these underlying issues, watch everything change. So we're going to recap quickly. What are those three, three and a half steps to... uh, to responding to threatening communication. Let your spouse talk, listen uninterrupted, and listen to learn. That's step number one. It's all about listening. Number two, ask why your spouse feels any way they do about anything they're upset about or they're going to take control over your life about. And then number three, Address their issues and their reasons. Do not bring up your own. It's really interesting. Your role is to calm them down. And while you're calming them down and asking them why, you really get to learn more about them. You might even learn things that you always thought you knew, but really didn't. So I hope this helps. I really want to set you up this year with the ability to manage the threat level in your divorce. And if you take any of these suggestions, you're going to do it brilliantly. So thank you for listening. Let's start the year off right. Let's go into 
I am never going to let things get out of control this year because I'm going to listen and I'm going to develop the best communication skills possible. Please share this with your friends. Please subscribe if you haven't already, if you just stumbled upon this podcast, because I'm going to give you information in every single podcast episode that allows you to be a better version of yourself in divorce. Email me, call me. I'm here to help. But as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.